Hey, spooky friends, and welcome to the Three Twisted Sisters, hosted by Britt okay. and Lexi. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about paranormal pilgrims. Yeah! <laughs> I learned about those bad boys in third grade. hey wow. <laughs> I remember making the specific out of construction. I wanted to say making a little hat. Right? <laughs> you know what's the weird part? Right? Is that you know what's weird is that on our end we didn't hear you say hat. <laughs> and then Alexa was like, This is what you meant to say, Brittany. Did you mean to say what's the word that one of us said? Her name's Echo. Her name is Echo, and I said making a little hat. You wanted to. Do it again, do it again. You wanted to. The last time we were filming, and she was like, I'm sorry, I can't connect to the internet right now. And she kept saying that over and over. And I was like, Bitch, I didn't talk to you. You don't need to connect to the internet. Maybe you should talk to her a little bit more then. Yeah, maybe she just feels neglected. We don't show her enough attention. There's been, like, a vibe in the house lately. Well, last night we were watching TV, and um, we're, like, both Josh and I are both, like, sitting in bed watching TV, and all of a sudden the TV just turns off by itself. Oh, it was- yeah. You told me that this morning. And we were Good. in the for, like, 10 seconds, and I, like, reach over, grab the remote, turn the TV on, and I was like, if this fucking, the light from the TV, because the room is dark, of course, and I'm like, if the light from the TV shows something in the room, I'm gonna fucking freak out. (laughs) It's like, God, no, please. No! (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Anyway, back to paranormal pilgrims. (laughs) Yes. So, we all picked... Some of the most haunted areas from early America, colonial America, and uh, we want to talk about them. Yeah. So, yeah. Britt, what uh, colony are you going to talk about? Colony? Well, yeah. I'm talking about... <laughs> so, it's... <laughs> it's the... I've had a lot of coffee. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. The place... So I'm talking about the paranormal triangle, but I'm only talking about two sides of that triangle. That seems a little biased. (laughs) All right, so let me dive into this triangle, baby. Sultry, (laughs) sultry triangle. All righty, so British colonists sailed the Atlantic Ocean into the Chesapeake Bay, right outside of Virginia, right below Delaware. Um, And they literally pitched a flag on the beach of present day Virginia Beach. Um, I actually actually lived in Virginia Beach for about six years. And the, (laughs) I don't know, I, besides like being away from family, and things it was really like a home away from home it's a state that i had not expected to feel so um i don't know i definitely could see myself of having a past life there it was just like the vibe 
for me. I was just thinking like colonial Brittany steps off of the Mayflower onto Virginia beach soil in 1743 and goes, oh, this is home. Okay. Okay. The years. Okay. Obviously you weren't on the fucking Mayflower. And obviously the Mayflower didn't go into Virginia Beach. <laughs> it was a joke, people. It was a joke. It was it was a good one. It was good. It, it was great. So where they landed is actually in present-day Virginia Beach, like I said. And the um it's a national park now. It's called First Landing National Park. It's super, super pretty, coastal, historical duh. And um, it was actually my favorite scenic route to Edgar Casey's ARE, my homeboy. Um, I want to do an episode like all about Edgar Casey. And I want he the sleeping prophet, baby. Sleeping prophet. So basically when he was like a kid, I don't even remember why. He was studying and then he fell asleep on the books. Is that how it happened? He would um he was like a young man and had fallen he would like fall asleep and go into almost like a meditative hypnosis and he would he was known as a sleeping prophet to where he would um be in like this hypnosis hypnotic sleep and it was almost like spirit was um talking through him on ways to heal people who were like states away that he like had never met so there was one, I mean, this happened a lot, but one that I remember, he was in one of those hypnotic states and um, a woman was like really, really ill. And the people who like would record <clears throat> his readings um, had like recorded him saying, if you go to this particular pharmacy on this shelf, the third bottle from this shelf, give it to this woman and she will be healed. And she was. And so it was just kind of like that cool stuff. But um, Virginia Beach, he had like a, in one of his like hypnotic sleeps, he was told to go to Virginia Beach at this particular plot of land this far away from the ocean that it was like the most cleansing air ever. So he eventually made his way there, um, created the ARE, had his library with all of his, um, the recorded hypnotic sleeps in. Um, then he, they eventually created like the healing center, which is really like um, holistic healing, massage therapy, um, beautiful place. One of my favorite places to go when I was there. Um, but not only that, back to, back to, so that's Edgar Casey. A quick breakdown. Um, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're Break welcome. Down. So anyway, back in their ship, in their ship, <laughs> um, the colonists head up the coast uh, a little bit north and they turn down the James River and settle in Jamestown. So the first corner of our triangle that we are talking about, it's called the Historical Triangle of Virginia. And it's Jamestown we're talking about right now. Um, and then about 20 minutes in the car, I know it's very colonial, very. 
there you go, conversion. About 20 minutes in the car, you go to the tip top of the triangle, and that is Williamsburg. Um, then you take another little drive, you know, like a little southeast, and you end up in Yorktown, and that's the final corner of the triangle. Now, I'm going to be talking about Jamestown and Williamsburg. I have been to all three, but um, I didn't spend a lot of, like, significant – it was significant at the time, but I didn't um, explore York, Yorktown very much, but I'll get into that later. So, Jamestown, established in 1607 by a group of 104 men and boys named after the British King James I. Now, Jamestown was the first, in offic first official settlement in the Americas. And nowadays, it's a historical site. It is an archaeological site um, that it's kind of cool. One of the community colleges there, um, you can take like the archaeology class and in the second half of the semester you actually go to Jamestown and you like go on the archaeological digs and such a missed opportunity because that's right up my freaking alley but anyway so Jamestown is nestled inland um now it like I said it's off the James River but <laughs> so this um colonists thought okay this is the perfect spot because it the particular settlement um, has water on three sides and the forest is like on the back end side of the settlement. But they thought, okay, we can see enemies from three sides of us. So this is the perfect spot to settle. Um, they figured that it was safer, quote unquote. Uh, this particular area wasn't currently occupied by any Native Americans at the time but the land was Powhatan hunting ground. So conflict and relations with the Native Americans were quickly formed. Um, by 1609, so two years later, the settlement's number, number of occupants grew to about 240 men and women at this time. Um, Chief Pow Powhatan aided the struggle <laughs> Sorry, back that up. Chief Powhatan aided the struggle bus colonists because they were just kind of pitiful um, with food and knowledge of the area, um, a kindness that was quickly taken advantage of by the colonists, causing more rift between both the groups. Um, the, the freaking saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you because then you're going to fucking starve is kind of what came to mind for me. Um, by the winter of 1609, the settlers were extremely desperate. Um, they were terrified to leave their fort because they were afraid of potential Native American attacks, fighting, things like that. Um, so they resorted to eating what they could find within their fort, like rats, small rodent animals, um, things like that, and resorted to eating when things got desperate, um, the leather from their own shoes, 
the leather from their own belts, and even each other. Jeez. By starvation. (laughs) You skip right through that. (laughs) And each other. And even each other. Back to you, James. (laughs) (laughs) If not by starvation, disease and illness spread through the fort like wildfire. Nearly 90% of the settlers, so 90% of 240, do that, (laughs) had died by um, the end of the winter in 1610. Now, this, this time for the Jamestown settlement is known as the starvation time. Um, now, I mentioned <laughs> a little bit of back, you know, you guys might have missed it, <laughs> that they resorted to survival cannibalism, if you will. That's what I'm going to phrase it as. How did they choose who to eat? Now, I'll... I'll get to it. Was it it like you're dying or like... No, why would you want to eat dying meat? Or you have the most meat? Or was it like a flip a coin? Or like paper, rock, scissors? So Paper, rock, scissors? (laughs) Paper, rock, paper, scissors. God forbid. Paper, rock, scissors. (laughs) Or scissors, rock, paper. (laughs) Or (laughs) rock. (laughs) Which is it? I'm just kidding. Um... So, as I mentioned, paper, rock, scissors. <laughs> scissors, paper, rock. <laughs> it can be any of the combinations. No, it can't. Yeah, it can. Tell me it doesn't work regardless. It doesn't work regardless. It does. It works regardless. You're saying the same words every rock. time. <laughs> paper, paper, paper. <laughs> that would work too. Um, so, as I mentioned, there were men and women at this point in the settlement when the starvation time really took place. Well, dismembered skeletal remains of a 14-year-old girl were discovered by an archaeological dig team archaeological team in 2012. Her skull and shin bone were discovered in an old trash or discard hole um, area of the fort's old kitchen. Oh my god. So this is going to get kind of graphic, just a warning. Um, Apparently her skull had evidence of a couple trial and error error trial and error blows to the front portion of her brain or her skull i'm sorry oh my gosh with the eventual deep and forceful cuts to the back of her skull meaning they were trying to break her skull open so they could eat her brain and her leg and more of her body i'm sure so what what of what of her did they find? Did they find her body intact? I mean, obviously it wasn't intact. How do they know it was her? No, her body was dismembered. So eventually, I'll get to that part. Eventually, they um, run a bunch of tests and things like that, and kind of build a little bit more of a backstory for who she was. Um, and they've even like recreated with like that special technology where you can take like a skull. Or like a um, 
I think I'm thinking of like Nefertiti, Nefertiti when they reconstructed her face. They do that with this girl. Now they call her Jane, and I'm gonna that's like the name that they gave her because she was not um let me just get into it. Hold on. So although she is a bit young, so they measured or they um guess like have her not guessed, they have her age at about 14. Um, there's no record of her specifically, but many, many reports from that time wrote about a man that had killed his wife, among other atro atrocities in this particular situation, which I will get into. It is graphic. So these, um, one in particular, his name was George P Percy, and he was the governor at the time of the settlement. And he actually wrote that a man had killed his wife and cut out the baby, unborn baby from her womb, threw the baby into the river, and then proceeded to salt her for his food. Now, back in those times specifically, they salted their meat not only to, uh, for that extra flavoring, but to preserve it. So he literally wrote that he salted her for his food. Now, among George, George Percy, John Smith, Pocahontas, not an accurate representation, but John, <laughs> um, Sir Gates, the General Assembly Report, they all wrote about this particular murder. Um, one, only one had noted the unborn child, but all in all, man killed his wife and ate her, that kind of thing. Um, the remains are now known as Jane, like I said, and through a lot of testing and things like that, they discovered that she was a lower class English girl. And they could tell that because, um, the way like her, her teeth and her bones, <laughs> it's the weird, it's the craziest thing. They were able to tell that she drank and ate out of wood carved, um, like utensils and things like that instead of like a pewter or uh, lead, because pewter, silver, things like that were lead lined. And she didn't have any lead within her bones and things like that. So they were like, she um, used wood carved materials. So that automatically said, okay, she's lower class. Not to mention they were able to kind of like do some more testing and show that she was actually most likely from um, a part of England where a lot of lower class, lower income people were from. But all in all, her story is really unknown. So that just is just awful and scary. And the fact that they literally, like there's test blows on her skull. I mean, like, I wanna know like how how did they, how were they able to know that? That it was nope. test ones and not the ones that actually. Like, oh, well, the, the report that I saw, um, it's the Britannica, this particular one had just had described it as like shallow cuts, like with it to her skull, like 
particularly like on the cranium right here. And then in the back, they had like, um, like forceful blows and forceful cuts to the point where it like severed part of her um, cerebellum, I think. <laughs> no, I'm not a science major. <laughs> Biology. I know. Um, but that where they had severed some a bone back there that was of like to get the brain out basically to eat the brain, so just that's terrible. gross. It must have been so smushy. I mean, I feel like it would be chewy after you cook it. Well, when it came out because your brain is mush, they like put stuff. <laughs> your brain is mush. They put stuff in it to have it solid. So it's probably like. Like it just like poured out of her. I don't know. I don't know if it's that liquidy, but Ew, that's, like it was probably really mushy. Like when it came out, I know. It's and like horrible. your wife. Like I know. And it might not. Honestly, it could have been t two separate occasions, because a lot of the um, like the survival cannibalism is kind of what I'm coining it is, or was, where they would eat off the people who had died not died from a sickness or a disease or illness, but of starvation. So they would say, okay, hey, you know, Billy Bob over there died of starvation. He was not sick. Let's not let this body go to waste. And they would resort to eating them like that. Now, I can't... I won't say that because I'm not sure if it if it was just rumor or not, but there are like signs of cannibalism on skeletal remains from like teeth marks in hitting the bone. Let's so, say this question. Let's say you were in that situation way back when. Would you sacrifice yourself to be food? No. For your family. Oh, like for my kids? Yeah. Oh. I don't No, I mm. I would like, what if that was like the last fort. resort? You would do what? I would leave the fort, I think. Where could they have gone? I mean, even just to, because you're on the freaking river. And I know that they were afraid because they had literally, they, so the um, tribe closest by to them, they were at some point, the chief was like, okay, here, I'm bringing you gifts of food. You can have these gifts of food. And the colonists are like, give me, give me, give me, give me to the point where they were like, yo, you need to fend for yourself. And it got to a point where it was becoming violent. So they were so terrified to leave their fort that they resorted to all of this and resorted to the starvation time. So on my, on one hand, I'm like, would, <laughs> I think I would rather risk my life trying to get fish from this river then you know what i mean then eat your then family eat. and your husband and your friends or a shoe or a belt like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my god <laughs> people but if the thing is is that the um historians actually uh <laughs> so um Chief Powhatan, they actually hold him as like 
the reason that Jamestown survived in general because he actually was giving them food in the beginning. So it's like, thank you. So who survived? Was it just like the people that ate everyone? Probably. Probably. Would you admit it? Like, would they admit it? Like, oh, I ate people to survive. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I don't know. But it was they brag about it or like just like "Hmm." they were waiting on ships to bring um supplies and relief. And there was like gnarly storms, things like that, that the fleet actually ended up in Jamaica for a while before they could make their way to James. But um yeah, just insane wild 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 so jamestown itself i've been there several times they have um a i took kayla when they came out and visited um they have a really big thorough museum um that is like an indoor museum and then behind it they have the outside which is they have like um reenacted and preserved museums of um, like walkthrough kind of like live action type thing. They have like the forts, they have the um, Native American like, uh, I'm trying to think of what it's called. What's it called? Like a, a hut? They have like huts, teepees and inside like the large hut where they would like go in for ceremonies and stuff. It's like lined with animal furs and things like that. A lot like how it would be back um, way back then. And the fort itself is like, like got everything that the fort had back then. Um, now the actual, actual site is an active archeological site. So this is just kind of like the, the skirt side, I guess you would say. And then past the fort, you have the harbor Um, because the river itself is so deep the only reason like they were able to reach it is because the depth of the river and the fact that their ship was able to sail in lack of better word park there Um, (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) lack of a better word (laughs) yeah that's what we were laughing oh did you laugh i did i smirked a little I laughed on the inside. I could grab a better wall. I didn't realize I said that. <laughs> so next to the woods, they had um, they have like a recreation, a a recreated ship basically that you can like go on and look at all this stuff, whatever in the harbor. So it's kind of cool. But um, when you're there, you're on like one side of the, it's kind of like an island, but not really because it's like a part of the land. It just has water on a lot of it. And then the forest, right? So um, Jamestown itself has a lot of like Virginia itself. Like, my God, every house we lived in there was haunted. And it went from, like, worst, not too bad, pretty active, but not, like, evil like the first one was. Now, I'm not surprised 
that Jamestown has ghostly um, presence. <laughs> ghostly. <laughs> you know what? My teeth are getting in the way. <laughs> that they have like ghostly sightings and spiritual sightings and things like that. Um, mainly like apparitions, footsteps, doors slamming, and voices. Those are like the top ones. Now, um, one of the times that I was there, because I had gone three times, I think, um, wasn't, it was one of like the ones that I really wanted to go to because I adored Pocahontas growing up. And they have a whole section of the museum that I loved that was like how Disney messed up her story basically and did not tell it nearly um as accurate as it actually was and how heartbreaking it actually was so um i'd gone there about three times one of the times that i went though um we asked one of the tour tour guide groundskeeper employees basically um if he had had any kind of like ghostly experiences working there because that just like looking at the woods because one side of the um exhibit there is just like thick virginia woods and you're like looking in there and you're like there's a vibe going on like the whole place had kind of like a vibe because you like step back into time walking around the outdoor part of the museum um but i was like have you ever had any, you know, sort of experiences or whatever? And he had actually explained that um, along the the outdoor part of the museum, there are trails for the employees to like go to and from, because it's like a bit of a walk. Like you remember the walk was yeah. like a bit of a walk. So they do like go-karts and things like that to and from the sites. Now he had mentioned seeing a ghostly figure running the trail near the fort part of um, the outdoor exhibit before vanishing into thin air. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I bet that definitely happened. You know, Because the woods were a little bit, you know, had a vibe to them, I would say. It was spooky. But um, now, I'll talk about Yorktown because I don't have a ton of information on Yorktown. And honestly, the the six years that I lived there, I didn't visit it once. But my husband actually this past year was there for and so when I went and spent a weekend out there with him, we um like to and from getting food and stuff like that, we would stop at like the historical sites. And I would run out and like look around and, and things like that. Um, very cool. Very, very, very beautiful. I love Virginia. Just didn't get a lot of information from that particular site of the historical triangle. <laughs> but Williamsburg, Williamsburg, this place was my favorite place to go to. I went there quite a bit and... Um, it was just super, super fun. Absolutely beautiful. Felt like home, which was kind of neat. Um, but Williamsburg, historical Williamsburg, nearly every restored and preserved building, the cobblestone streets that, you know, line the whole place, 
The grounds in and around Williamsburg have tales and stories of ghostly encounters. Okay, so Williamsburg settlers and colonists, they, you know, made their way to Williamsburg like mid 1600s after they kind of came back from the um, starvation time and more came over from Britain. Um, I'm going to be talking about two particular buildings. The cool thing about Williamsburg is there's so much history and so much, so much of it is like preserved. So um, when we do more of like a spooky states, Virginia, I'll get into like more of the historical parts about it because I thought it was really cool. But um, like they have one of the, the Williamsburg jail and like the actual jail cell that held um, Blackbeard the pirate. And like they have the stockades where they would, um, or the gallows, I mean, not stockades. They do have stockades there, but um, the gallows where they would actually hang the prisoners and things like that. Just crazy, crazy um, history. But I'm gonna be talking about two particular locations. The first one is the Peyton Randolph House which was actually the home of, quote, the forgotten revolutionary president. Now, Peyton Randolph was the president of the first and second Continental Congress. He was a very wealthy and influential lawyer, lawman in Virginia, alongside a few others like George Washington and Patrick Henry and his cousin, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> now, um, in 1715, the Randolph House was built for Peyton and his wife, Elizabeth. Some sources says, said Elizabeth and others refer to her as Betty. So Elizabeth or Betty, whatever. And there are 27 enslaved people. Now, um, Peyton actually died in October 1775 of a heart attack in Philadelphia. He was at dinner with his cousin, Thomas, Tommy J. <laughs> he unfortunately passed away. But over the years, many tra tragedies and death occurred in this particular house. Um, now, during the Revolutionary War, the home was actually converted into a wartime hospital. And the number of deaths there are unknown but rumored to be very great Revolutionary War. Hello. And um, fast forward a little bit, the Civil War. Um, it is reported that a Civil War soldier actually died from an um, illness in the home. And a little bit later, two men reportedly fought to the death during an argument in the home. In the 1800s, both a young boy and a young girl tragically died. The boy had been climbing a tree outside near the property, fell and died. Um, and then the little girl had fallen from a second story window. Oh my gosh. Tragic and just ugh, horrible. Um, now for the ghostly sightings. Most notable, which I say notable because I'll, uh, 
I'll let you guys know why. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so back, back in 1824, the French general of the American Revolution, Mar Marquis de Lafayette, <laughs> Lafayette, 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 whatever. <laughs> Lafayette. <laughs> Marquis de Lafayette stayed one night in the home and swore that it was haunted. Now his experience were, was um, hearing disembodied voices echoing through the halls of the house and feeling an icy grip on his shoulder. Ew! <laughs> Creepy. Now, nowadays and over the years, many visitors who go to the home witness glowing apparitions, movements by the second story window, sweetheart, um, figures in period, period clothing, screams, voices, and children laughing and playing, um, all within the home. Now, when I actually went to it, it gave me the creeps. It, um, they talk a lot about, because you can see the, the entire house, the horse stables, um, the slave quarters, all of that stuff. But it is a like a mansion size home compared to like the smaller, cute little colonial homes in the actual town. Um, and it's two stories. I just, I... I hadn't gone on like a ghost tour at the time, the first time that I had gone, but I like went in and out of that place. I like walked, you know, oh wow, this, this is cool, this is creepy, but I was like, could not get out of there fast enough. My own personal experience. Now the second building that we will be talking about is known as Shields Tavern. Now this one, um, I saw a source that was kind of talking about more of like the employees side of the paranormal experiences that they had there. So pretty much a group of employees made a makeshift Ouija board um, and went to the second floor of the tavern to try to connect with the spirits. Now they wanted to connect with the original owner's daughter, Frances Shield. Um, and after playing with the board and receiving a few yeses as responses, the group heard footsteps. Now, they had thought that they belonged to longtime historian Kelly Earhart, but, you know, they went to go look for her. They called out for her. They did not, you know, get any responses, things like that. One of them had actually looked through the window and saw her guiding a tour on the streets. So they were like, you know, freaked out, obviously. Um, she had been outside the whole time. So Kelly, now she's worked there um, and been a historian there for over 12 years. And Kelly has had her own ghost, has her own ghost story in this particular tavern um, involving the basement. Oh. Now, one night she went into the basement um, to pick up supplies and when she heard an eerily familiar voice coming from the corner of the basement the voice was her own she asked who's there 
And the voice, the mimicking voice, answered with, I thought you would have known by now. And that that's was it. That's weird. The end. <laughs> condensed version of the historical triangle that I did not finish. <laughs> the the half a triangle. Uh, yikes. So did she quit after that? Oh, no. She's still working there. Now, it's cool because um, the historical area of Virginia, they have a bunch, a bunch of regular ghost tours that's like almost every night of the week you can, if you're visiting, you can go on them. Um, I had gone on one. I'll be honest, I ducked out a little bit early and did kind of like my own thing. Uh, they were really harping on one of the, in like the old cemetery, there's a gravestone that has like a, um, an imprint on it that looks kind of like a scary face. And they were like harping on this gravestone. And I was, I just kind of was like, I'm going to go do my own thing and did my own thing. But um, they do have a lot of guided ghost tours, which I think is cool because the, the tour guides have so much of the history and so much of the, you know, the fun lore tying it in with the history. And it just like makes it really cool. Jamestown also has, a little bit of that. Yorktown has that. Um, but like I said, I didn't go to Yorktown as much. So hmm. but they do have a place um, in Yorktown that is like on the shore of this beach. They have like a, um, it looked kind of like, it gave me like Count of Monte Cristo vibes, like a, uh, a hole with like a cave type thing within the um uh, uh mountain <laughs> thank you i'm like what am i trying to say where they had actually like hid out during the american revolution and it was just like a cool hiding spot but yeah anyway <laughs> virginia is okay. wild like the 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 energy at uh williamsburg and jamestown it's just like oof. jamestown was creepy though like that now knowing that they ate each other makes sense because it has a very icky vibe like i got nauseous i got a headache like such a bad headache right when we got there and then we were like walking through everything and i was like I mean, it's pretty because the woods are so pretty, but it's a it's lot. Do you think the yeah. ghost that ate people when they see like people visiting, I think they're like salivating? Oof. Oof. The guy that know. ate his wife's brain probably is. He's a freak. I bet it was his idea to start eating each other. No. I bet. Just you imagine. Know? how desperate things got like to the point that they were eating shoes and belts like the desperation i'm like trying to give them like a line <laughs> obviously the i mean they can't they can't determine whether or not jane um was murdered or if she was just you know fed on after 
the fact. But, um, you know, the yeah, evidence... Yeah. The evidence does so disgusting. Gosh. Yeah, I will say I wish I did a little more research into Yorktown because one of the turning points or like one of the ending land battles actually occurred in Yorktown between um, the American revolutionists led by George Washington and the British army led by um, Cornwallis. Anyway, the, the battle actually was three weeks long. Um, several of the buildings in Yorktown that are still preserved and standing to this day in ghostly feeling, um, I will add, were medical hospitals. So a lot of, you know, that kind of those feelings that um, that heaviness is still present, but that is actually one of the spots, the last major land battle occurred in Yorktown, effectively, you know, getting um, the war for independence completed, which I think is wow. really, but it just, I don't know, wasn't one of my favorite places to go in the triangle. That makes yeah. sense. So the pilgrim city that I'm going to be talking about is Boston, Massachusetts. So Boston already being a colony, it has a deep, deep history for early America. The Boston Tea Party, the Boston Massacre. I mean, there's a lot that happened in Boston itself in that time. So um, but even though a lot happened in Boston, I'm going to take you guys 30 minutes away from Boston for a second and talk about Concord. So I will get back to Boston, but it did come up in my research and I thought it was just a really cool story, um, because it is so close to Boston, I'm assuming. I mean, the map quest looked like it was, and, um, it's very interesting. So anyways, <laughs> Concord. Um, so there's in Concord, Massachusetts, there is an inn called Concord's Colonial Inn. Oh my gosh, say that five times. Concord's Concord Colonial, Colonial Inn. Concord's Colonial Inn. Concord's Colonial Inn. Concord's Colonial Inn. Concord's Colonial Inn. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> so it is one of the supposedly one of the oldest homes, I mean, hotels in the United States. And the original part of the building was built in 1716. Like, that's freaking old. 1716? Yeah. yeah. It's still so, standing. Yeah, that's the oldest part of the building. So I don't know yeah. how much of it is is from that time period, but I know at least a good chunk of it is. So I think that's pretty freaking cool. Um, and this is super interesting. So the North Bridge, it's a half a mile away from the inn. And this is where the shot heard around the world was first fired and that took place on April 19th 1775 and that was the bit the beginning of the battle of Lexington and Concord so that was the start of the revolutionary war wow yeah so pretty interesting stuff so already and in the inn itself because it was so close to this battle it was made into you know a hospital wing and lodging for 
the um the soldiers so it was just it's got a deep history i was like a deep ass history guys like it's really cool <laughs> um i love early american history it just like freaking blows my mind so yeah. this is it's super cool to me sorry so one of the cool stories that i want to talk about with this hotel is that during the revolutionary war it was part owned by a dr timothy minute minot minot i don't know so this doctor owned part of it and he turned it into his hospital basically and one of the rooms is what he used most often for his operating room just anything they would throw the soldiers in there and that was room 24. so room 24 is considered the most haunted room and anyone that goes there that wants to experience something they specifically choose that room because of the years and years of paranormal activity that's gone on there i um, wonder yeah a little a little freaky a lot of it is um sightings of apparitions as well as lots of noises and a few other things that we're going to get into right now so one of the first reported sightings of something paranormal it was actually documented in a letter from from mrs judith felonez felonez um so she wrote a former innkeeper Lauren Grimes after they had celebrated their wedding night in June of 1966. So she had wrote that she had awoken in the middle of the night to see a grayish figure at the side of her bed. She wrote, <laughs> I said figure. <laughs> figure. <laughs> what is with our talking tonight? Okay, so she saw a grayish apparition at the side of her bed and she wrote it was not a distinct person but a shadowy mass in the shape of a standing figure damn that word Bump back up it <laughs> remained still for a moment then slowly floated to the foot of the bed in front of the fireplace so her husband replied that the spirit could have been that of dr timothy minot uh, merely making his rounds or trying to sum up the courage to give the newlywed advice on achieving a good marriage. Jesus. Yeah. That's, it's pretty interesting to have such a distinctive apparition pop up next to you. And it's not just like a lot of skeptics are like, oh, it's the middle of the night. It's dark. You don't know what you're seeing. Your eyes are playing tricks on you type of thing. But it's not just seeing a spirit, it's the vibe you get, like the energy, everything changes when a spirit comes near you. So I don't know. I believe her. I think it's a little freaky. <laughs> That's the interesting letter that captured one of the first sightings. Um, other guests have reported lights flickering in the room, turning on and off completely on their own. Um, one guest woke up in the middle of the night and every light was on in the room, as well as the television. Guests hear hushed whispers coming from the closet and have seen the door to the room slam shut on its own. Oh, some courageous guests have even used their own ghost hunting devices, such as EVPs, cameras, whatever. During their investigations, they've been able to capture floating orbs in the room and voices from the past. 
Yeah, a few guests have felt someone gently tucking them into bed. That would just be like, no, freaking thank you. And apparitions of both a middle-aged woman, supposedly a nurse named Rosemary, and wounded soldiers have appeared in the room only to disappear moments later. So I was tucking oh, in sounds kind of like a, a nurse. Like, like a, what a nurse would do. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little freaky. But just <laughs> in case you want to stay a night here and room 24 is booked, it the activity is not stuck in room 24. It travels all over the hotel, like, or the inn, I should say, um, like you would imagine. I mean, although he did the operating in that room, I mean, just imagine, like, you just dragged your buddy in off the battlefield and you're, like, right. sitting in the kitchen, like, walking around, like, oh, my gosh, is he okay? Like, there's so much more than just the, um, the trauma itself. So... I would have not have thought that it would have been just been in room 24, but anyways, so they do wander the halls of the colonial inn just as much as the guests do, but an older woman and a tall, slim gentleman with a top hat have been spotted in the sitting room. Uh, thought perhaps to be former residents, Henry David Thoreau himself or his aunt entertaining company. Um, a young girl wearing a bonnet has been seen walking around by the front desk of the hotel and both guests and employees have spotted spirits in colonial attire sitting in on otherwise empty Liberty Room. Um, things fall off the shelves and items go missing without a trace for weeks, only to turn up in the strangest places. Both guests and employees have heard voices coming from right behind them, only to see nothing when they turn around. So clearly, there is a lot of, um, a lot of energy in that place and you've got to think of when they were even settling there in the first place like was it a peaceful transition into the land or like the original landowners or was it a fight which could have caused even more negative energy there because i feel like the poltergeist activity i mean it could be like a little kid playing around or it could be something just just malicious not like hiding something for a few weeks is that insane but you know what i mean right yeah Oof. So it's interesting. So pretty interesting stuff. And again, that was just down the street. Well, not down the street, but it's like 20 minutes away from Boston. So now we're going to jump back over to Boston, Massachusetts and talk about the Omni Parker House. So the Omni Parker House is located just in the center of Boston. And it is known or is rumored to be the most haunted hotel in New England. Um, it's the oldest working hotel in the United States, and walls have seen a lot of history. Uh, the original hotel, Parker House, was built by a man named Harvey D. Parker in 1855. So I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but a lot of things, a lot of like colonial uh, websites and research and like haunted stuff, they all like to say that they are the most haunted hotel or like... You know, and so I just find that interesting because um, who's taking the statistics? Right. That's just what I want to know. I'm like, most haunted hotel. Are you, though? Yeah, pretty much everyone. Um, there's a lot of really haunted places in Boston and not all of them, but a lot of them claim to be like one of the most haunted or the most haunted. So but Omni Parker House is I mean, it seems a little interesting. So I want to drop some cool facts about this location. So John F. Kennedy proposed to 
his wife at table 40 in the Parker restaurant. Um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow drafted the famous poem, Paul Revere's Ride There. Charles Dickens stayed at the hotel for two years. He gave his first reading of A Christmas Carol at the hotel, and he hung out with members of the Saturday Club. Uh, oh. oh, this one's, this one's weird. What do you do at the Saturday Club? Huh? What do you do at the Saturday Club? You have to be invited to, no. Oh, oh okay. No, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so future Vietnamese communist leader Ho Chi Minh worked as a pastry chef at the Parker restaurant. What? Yeah. And then Malcolm X bust tables at the Parker restaurant when he was still known as Mark, uh, Malcolm Little. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. And the Boston cream pie was invented at the Parker restaurant. So the pie was invented by a fancy French chef who Mr. Parker lured to Boston with a salary of $5,000 a year. And the sum was astronomical when you realize that uh, really like sought after chefs in Boston made roughly $500 a year. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So he brings this French guy out to Boston and has him working for him and he creates the freaking Boston cream pie. I love Boston cream pies. Yeah. So it's just like, that's a lot of history. That's a lot of people going in and out of this place over years. And a lot of negative things. Yeah. I mean, having like, like Malcolm X with like his what he must have gone through as like a teenager work like not just working there but like what he was going through in his life and then also working there leaving that energy there and then to go on and do that a communist leader from Vietnam working there and then going to Vietnam like I don't know how that works some of the hauntings that are in this place um the Boston, pie. Yeah, the Boston cream pie the heartburn it gives you no the so, custom- <laughs> <laughs> lactose intolerant people <laughs> okay so um the they assume like i kind of hinted at earlier that the area might have been haunted way before um the hotel was even built So in 1770, British soldiers got into a skirmish with some local kids that were sledding on a hill where the hotel is now located. And somehow during the skirmish, uh, gunshots were subsequently fired and five children were killed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Freaking, freaking insane. What's happening on this land? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering, too. So um, one of the hotel rooms, 303, was the inspiration for Stephen King's short story, 1408, (gasps) which is about a haunted hotel room. 1408's one of my faves. Yeah. So he made that movie after staying in this hotel. And then um, the story turned into a movie in 2007, and it starred John Cusack, if you guys didn't know. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. After a, tra- a traveling liquor store salesman killed himself in room 303, so the same room, okay, so guests kept complaining about the smell of whiskey and cigarettes in the room, and now the room is used as storage. Yeah. Like, what the heck? So, the elevators sometimes stop on the third floor, even if no one pushes the button to get there, 
And some people see the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and on the third floor. And it's interesting because he would visit other intellectuals of that time, such as Ralph Waldo Emerson and Oliver Windwell Holmes on the third floor. And they held monthly meetings of the so-called Saturday Club to discuss important topics over a nice meal and lots of alcohol. So I don't know if they would be considered um, like residual energy that people see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, instead of like an actual haunting. But since he spent so much time there, that's what I would assume. Um, the Saturday also- Club reminds me of um, the Finer Things Club. <laughs> I know, me too. It's like they all get there with like their bow ties and their music. <laughs> yeah. <They're> good. Good. <laughs> um, so also a well-known 19th century actress, Charlotte Cushum, uh, Cushman, lived at the hotel for a period of time. And she died of natural causes in her suite um, in one of the rooms on the third floor. Yeah. What were and the then, causes, did it say? No, she just died of natural causes. And the hotel is supposedly haunted by the ghost um, of Harvey Parker. And visitors have reported seeing his apparition on the 10th floor, asking them if they enjoyed their stay at the hotel. Ooh. That's weird. That is so freaky. Can you imagine? Um, and, like, how how deep is the apparition? Is it, like, very clearly a ghost, or is he, like, almost fully solid? You know, it's... I know. That would be... That would be scary. <laughs> kind of fun. Kind of fun. You're so like... Boston what the like so many and i know it's like boston is such a pivotal town even still today but especially you know one two three hundred years ago so many different people coming through there but that's a lot of really prominent people that has some connection to this hotel so now i want to talk about um and a little island off of the boston shore and it's called george's island So on George's Island, they notoriously have a spirit called the Lady in Black. And she's there. And this is her story. Okay? Interesting. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's okay. And this is her story. And these are their stories. (laughs) (laughs) So there's husband and wife, Melanie Lanier. She's the wife. She's very important. Okay? Uh, Spoiler alert. She's the Lady in Black. (laughs) Okay, so... Best thing. <laughs> yeah. So um Melanie and her husband are married. They're newlyweds and they're from Georgia. Now her husband is a Confederate soldier and it is the Civil War. It is 1862 at this moment. Okay. So huh, she finds out, Melanie finds out that her husband has been kidnapped by Union soldiers and he is imprisoned on Fort Wallen in on George's Island. And um And she's like, no, this is not happening. So she somehow secured passage to Boston Harbor. And she did this to rescue her husband. She somehow earned the sympathy of a couple of Union soldiers so that they could pass messages. She could tell him, tell her husband that she was coming to to break him out, to rescue him. So he had sent back with the soldiers to to listen to his little, like, Southern song. He was going to, like, hum... A song so that she would George. sell. He- <laughs> what? The devil went down, George. 
That's funny. Yes, that one. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> That's so I, I got lost in what, why you brought it up, but no. Yeah. So he's in his jail cell and he's going to hum her some kind of Southern Mike Morris song. No, he's just going to start singing. Oh. And so she's going to know what jail cell he's in. And um, in the dark of the night, she dressed up as a man, cut her hair off, and she rode alone across a mile of water armed with just a pistol and a pickaxe. Just a pistol and just a, a pickaxe. But imagine, like, she, she finds out that her husband's captured and she's like, all right, grabs a pistol and a pickaxe, cuts her hair off, and just heads up there. Wait, she swam across the river? No, she rode in a boat oh, by herself. That's intense. Yes. That's love, baby. Yeah. So, pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, so, she hears the words of this old southern song. Brittany, take it the away. The devil Georgia. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> good job oh, it's like I'm back home myself so um she hears the song and that's the signal that her husband was ready to go she knows exactly where he is so she rushed quietly to the dungeon she finds her husband and together they began to enact their plan to escape um so the young couple was successful in leaving the dungeon and running out of the cell towards freedom, but shortly before the pair made it to Melanie's rowboat, they were discovered by Union soldiers. So, I mean, you can't really ex- ex- expect to escape a fort and not be found. But you know what? Valiant try vibes there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it was it was a really. Good, I mean, they got out of the dungeon, which I think is pretty impressive, but. So there was a scuffle between the new soldiers that found them and the two of them. Um, a couple of different sources. So basically one source said it went this way and the other source says it, it went this way. Now, this was a while ago. Just, you know, it was like last week. So I'm going to go with this one because it sounds the most believable. So one of them said that one of the Union soldiers was able to get the gun from her and then killed her husband. Okay, so you're like, okay, but this one says something that I think is a little bit more accurate. So it starts with, perhaps Melanie's aim was poor or the pistol misfired, but when the smoke cleared, her husband was dead by her own hand. No. Yeah, so that's what I think is most likely, and you'll understand why in a minute. Um, so (laughs) hang on, (laughs) give me a minute. Uh, so Melanie was consumed with the guilt of killing her husband and she was apprehended obviously by the union soldiers immediately. And she was charged as a spy and sentenced to death by hanging. And at, yeah, as her last request, not wanting the dignity of dying in men's clothing, she asked for something else to wear. And the only thing that the Union soldiers could find were black robes used for, like, the theater. So she was hanged for her crimes at Fort Warren in a makeshift dress made from costume robes. And the tragic death was not the last of Melanie. The guilt from killing her husband would not allow her to rest in peace. 
Sorrowful and lonely, Melanie continues to walk the grounds of Fort Warren. In the many years since her death, she has returned again and again and is known as the Lady in Black. So this began very shortly after her death, and it still continues to this day. The Lady in Black has been seen by anyone who's on George's Island. Um, so first to the soldiers, reportedly leaving their posts in fear or shooting at the apparition. So that's how like intense she was, was that they actually shot oh. at her. Um, after Fort Warren became a historical site, Melanie appeared to historians and researchers and more recently to the police officers and army personnel and any tourists or visitors that go to George's Island. Um, so she has been seen drifting around Fort Warren, searching unfortunate, oh, sc screeching um, at unfortunate tourists that dare to enter the dungeon. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then she also wanders in the woods at night with a lantern. That's so creepy. Yeah. Um, so one of the more troubling encounters was that of a uh, an older man claimed to be choked by the spirit. Still riddled with guilt and rage at those that took her life, eternally alone, Melanie walks Fort Warren looking for her lost love and the escape from Fort That's Warren. That's gotta suck. Yeah. Because so is it for sure like documented that her husband died? He didn't like get away? Oh no, it's documented that her husband died and that she was hung for it. Aww. they just don't I don't think that the details of how he died of who shot the gun because it's very possible that the Union soldier could have like in their little scuffle grabbed the gun from her and then tried to shoot her and he jumped in the way or something like that you know but it's also I mean they don't know if she tried to shoot the Union soldier or if the gun just misfired during the scuffle but regardless, she takes full responsibility or full guilt over it and cannot rest peacefully. And think of like the like the power of the emotion you have, like even just having like a heartache, yeah, like, or losing somebody in the like the oh, no wonder she was able. She is able to appear so solidly and so quickly, you know. Yeah. Like, didn't even try to cross over. Just, like, stayed there. Because it was, like, it was pretty immediate after her death. Oh, that's so that sad. She started showing up. Yeah, I know. It's horrible. That's but so that is, um, uh, I think, the coolest stories and the the most haunted areas of the Boston area itself. I, I think it's all really fascinating. I've never been to Boston. Me neither. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it would be cool to go there. So much history. When we were looking at, um, like, the baselet for where we could be stationed, I at first I was like northeast, anywhere northeast, because I had never been there, and I've always wanted to go. And then when we were like researching, um, like, mom and I would be, she'd be like, let's go. Um, to YouTube and search the town and the city and see what it all looks like. So we're watching like corny people's like, if you travel here slideshow. 
but I'm not kidding. I was like, I can't go there. Like, I don't know if I can go live there because it was just so like anxiety in my chest feeling. Yeah. I've always wanted to travel to all these places that like our founding fathers were at and all these yeah. places that our ancestors were at. But um, I mean, they're, they were buck wild back then. I don't know if I really want to go feel that energy. So I had <laughs> a grape stick in my mouth. <laughs> all right. So I am talking about the Colonial Park Cemetery in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. So the Colonial Park Cemetery is actually older than the United States. It was established in 1750. Dang. Yeah. And it was established back when the British still had control of Georgia, essentially. That's why it's, like, older. And it was one of the, like, last 13 colonies. Ah, cool. very interesting. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, over the years since Savannah, Georgia became so populated, the cemetery actually, like, expanded quite a bit up until six acres, what it is today. And it got to six acres in 1789 so that was kind of cool that's a lot of death yeah no it is there was this yellow fever going around way back in 1820 that spread across the entire country and uh -huh. in that span of when it was like very active the cemetery got 700 like people like death from it oh my gosh yeah Jeez. It was pretty crazy. And eventually, I think they became too populated with, like, bodies that they couldn't take anymore. Yeah. Oof. Very intense. But it, it's famous for being so giant. And also, there was people that would duel in the cemetery, like, to the death. Yeah. Like an outlander. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like an outlander. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what the fuck. Go ahead. Yeah, outlander's no. so good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I never seen it. Um, one of the most famous duels is between. Um, I'm gonna butcher their names, but it's Button Gannett. Excuse me. <laughs> Button Gannett. Excuse me. Button. <laughs> 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 Can I take that off or take that off? <laughs> no, I'm gonna, for a minute. Uh, let me tell you, this is not how you say my name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to butcher the topic. He's like, the fuck you <laughs> are. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Just a little bit. Okay. Button. Button Gwinnett. Okay. One of the most famous duels is between Button. It's <laughs> 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 <Is> okay. <laughs> Let it out. It's fine. Okay. One of the most famous duels is between Button Gwinnett. <laughs> I need a second. You got to that face, Kayla. Huh? 
slap me in the face? No, you gotta stop making that face. I'm not making any faces. <laughs> no, I'm you doing are. It after you're you like. I was licking my lips. They're dry. So one of the most famous duels was between Butt and Gwinnett and Lachlan McTosh. Macintosh? Macintosh. Macintosh. And Macintosh won from his first shot, and he was only 12 feet away. Isn't it supposed to be 25 pieces? Uh, He probably cheated. He was probably like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. And they do, so in this cemetery, they do have like a very famous ghost that still wanders. His name is Rene Rondelier. So this guy was alive, right? He was like famous in Savannah at the time. Not famous for like good fame, but like he was really well known. Um, but he was born in 1777. And he was like known to be like a, not like a very good person. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What did he do? Yeah. What did he do? Um he was like thought to be like a behemoth of a man, essentially. So what he would do is he would torture neighbors like animals and like wild animals. Like he would torture them by like snapping their necks. Jesus. Oh yeah. And the people described him as this giant man with like enormous, like tremendous strength. And like he was a big dude with like this crazy like just strength, right? And he lived. His house was right next to the cemetery as well. And um, one time, or legend says, right, that the residents eventually, like, they mustered up courage to put some walls around his house so he couldn't escape it because they were kind of tired of seeing all the dead animals. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So they, like, put a wall around his house. This is, like, legend said. And he, like, broke through it still. And then he realized that, like, hey, I'm strong enough to snap human necks. So so he targeted more of smaller females. Like, that was his target. And so he... But... Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he would snap these females necks. And there was tunnels underneath the cemetery that he would, like, take them through to get rid of the bodies. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah. And there was one time where he did a really bad job at, like, failing to hide the bodies. And they were still in the cemetery, the two girls that were found. And around the body was his footsteps. Like, he didn't, like, cover his tracks or anything. So they knew that it was him. So then the town was like, let's, you know, let's do a, a mob and let's attack this man. And they took him to the swamp and they hung him. Because he was, like, the reason for all these females dying. Uh And the funny thing is that after he had died, there were still, like, humans getting their necks snapped and ending up at the cemetery. So it wasn't him? It wasn't just him? or No, they think it was, like, his ghost because they can see it around the cemetery. Like, to this day, you can still see his silhouette, like, if he's there. What if he's, like, what if he's, like, um, of mice and men? Like Lenny. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking too. Like, what if he was framed and he just what? doesn't know his strength? Yeah. Yeah. He, but then, like, in reality, he snapped all these fucking people's necks. Yeah. And we're like, 
Yeah. Don't play okay. cues. That's, That's wild though. I wonder what it I wonder what it would be like. I would I would want to be there in person to like get my full understanding of it, if it was really him or if it was someone else. Okay, keep going. Sorry. That's it. That's my story. Holy moly. That's the ghost that roams the cemetery. Renee Rondelier, the next snapper. Because Savannah is like the most haunted place in America. Savannah, Georgia, right? Yes. <sighs> yes. Yes. I so, mean, you know, haunted. We're the most haunted podcast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, we we just might be, <laughs> but yeah. I know that's like a blanket term, but I i mean, they have so much funky history, stuff like that. That's that's messed up. And what? how did they build this wall without him like coming out being know. like, maybe like in the middle of the night? Wall. I don't know. They're like, that's like, le- that's legend says, though. But he did end up snapping. Snapping. can talk today. Thank you, Twisted listeners, for tuning in. It's very much appreciated. Yes. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, hello. And if not, our YouTube is Three Twisted Sisters Podcast. Uh, We would love to hear your guys' fun stories. We would love to hear any of your spooky stuff. Or if you've been to any of the cities that we talked about today, let us know what you think. Or any of the sites that we talked about. Some of these haunted places are really freaky, and we would love to hear your guys' spooky stories. So you can definitely comment on the YouTube. Again, that's Three Twisted Sisters Podcast. You can um, follow and message us on Instagram and TikTok at underscore Three Twisted Sisters, or you can send us an email to Three Twisted Sisters Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your stories, so definitely let us know. Mm-hmm. And as always, we hope that you have a wonderful weekend. And with all of the traveling that's going to be happening in the next week or two, we hope you guys travel safely. And other than that, take care and stay Stay twisted. twisted. Ah.